Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3, Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into LeMaire, back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> You're in the ball! Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoins, on lui fait perdre la rondelle, une passe devant. Et c'est la you found the dogs! John, you found the dogs! He found the dogs! And all together they worked a young team to the top. And now a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup! Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick. Marinero, the sick podcast on this Thursday, September 14. The sick podcast, of course, brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group, a leading full-service logistics provider serving all of North America, driven to be different. And brought to you in part by La Bit ATB, brewed in Quebec, a winner of a dozen international awards, La Bitte TV offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bitte TV, embrace your true nature. And also brought to you in part by Playground. Over 600 machines, poker tournaments, and cash games, daily promotions, unmatched customer service. Why go anywhere else? Located just over the Mercia Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal, Playground. Uh, I am very much looking forward to this conversation. As a matter of fact, it's going to be a continuation of a conversation that I had earlier today. I am, of course, a collaborator on George Larac's radio show, Larac and Gonzalez on BPM Sports Radio, www.bpmsports.ca, by the way, is the website. And I have a segment Monday to Friday at 1 p.m. Earlier today, Larac and Gonzalez asked me, if the Montreal Canadiens can win the Stanley Cup with the actual size of their team right now. Let's bring in George Larac, who was a weekly collaborator last hockey season on Thursday nights, and the plan is to bring him back on Thursday nights this year. It is Thursday night. Big George, what's going on? Tony, what's going on right now? I'm at the store. I'm at the card store with Johan. 
um, you know, we're having fun. John is here too. We're having okay. a party because those guys are working overtime. We're waiting for you to party, Tony, but I know you're Portugal, so you don't want to be with us. In one of George's like 25 investments, God bless him. God bless the <laughs> career that he had. All right. Okay. So full disclosure, and I talked about this yesterday, George, as you know, I am in Portugal. I have been since August the 27th. And I recorded before leaving about 15 podcasts over four or five days. And uh, they were topic podcasts and I knew they weren't going to be outdated. And also I said to myself, if they would be, something would happen, there would be a trade. I would scrap the podcast and I would end up doing another one, even if it meant doing it from Portugal. Matt O'Han, who usually brings you the sick podcast on Friday nights, was in on Monday and on Tuesday. And Agnello gave me a call on Wednesday and he says, we're getting a bunch of messages on the chat on YouTube. Some people think you quit. Some people think you got fired. I, he says, I think you need to come on to calm everyone down. So last night I went on and tonight I'm on again. Now, once again, full disclosure, uh, this show airs at 10 p.m. Eastern time, which would be 3 a.m. Portugal time. So I'm not doing it at 3 a.m. Portugal time, but I will tell you, that right now it is pretty late in Portugal. So, George, thanks for doing this. And the conversation that we had earlier today, and by the way, I will be back in Montreal on the weekend, and so you'll see my normal, regular surroundings as of Monday night, back in the uh, my uh, podcast studio at my residence uh, in Montreal. George, picking up on the conversation we had today, me, you, and uh, Gonzo, the size of the Montreal Canadiens. Not very big right now. There are some players who are big, but overall the size is not very big. And everyone has an opinion on this, whether or not you can win the Stanley Cup if you don't have a huge team. Once again, why don't we pick up on what we have to say for those who missed it, your thoughts. Well, you know, uh, it's known that the, the rookie camp right now, there's 11 out of 15 players uh, forward that are under six foot. And uh, for the longest time, the Montreal Canadiens has been had. They, they, they were a fast, small team, and as we could see, as fast as you are and as brave as they are, when you're a fast, small team, you could uh, to start the season. They do really well. After Christmas, when a small team, it wears and tears on you. When you're a smaller team, and the playoff time comes, it's much harder because nobody's fresh. Nobody's 100 percent when the playoff time comes. But teams that are smaller, you tend to have guys that are more hurt le like more hurt than than other teams so it's a disadvantage so we saw lately in the last couple of years that the teams worked really hard to have some size in the wing but again even though they do so and we could see that there's some guys in the team and especially the d-man the d-man course are big big and heavy there's no problem there it's up front that there's a question mark because when the canadian is going to be a playoff team I think we could both agree that both Josh Anderson and Armia won't be there, right? So you take those two big guys out of there, you know, Slav is the only one that left. Hopefully at that time he figures a way to be more physical, uh, not getting hit as much, but still. And when you look at the prospect that could be potentially be part of the team in the future, you can see the lack of size that are on there. So we have to trust all the moves that Kent use has done Jeff Gorton has done together uh, to add size to the team. But it's just that when you look at the prospect right now that are in the farm team, I don't see anyone uh, big enough that could help filling that gap. 
George, if I remember correctly, uh, I believe it was in 2010. In 2009 was the centennial year, correct? Yep. And in 2010, the Montreal Canadiens went out. Bob Gainey went on a one-day spending spree, spree or two-day spending spree and, brought, and, and, and signed Brian Jonta, signed Mike Camilleri. Prior to that, he had traded Ryan McDonough to acquire Scott Gomez. Those three players up front were small. Gomez, Camilleri, and Jonta. And the Canadians did get into the playoffs, and they did surprise in the playoffs. They beat the Washington Capitals, who were the one seed, and the Canadians were the eight in seven games. They um, they beat, which was Yaroslav Halak standing on his head, I think, in game six in Montreal. I think he stopped like 53 or 55. Uh, they beat the Pittsburgh Penguins in round two, in which the Penguins were the second uh, seed, and the Canadians once again were still eight. But they lost in the third round to the Philadelphia Flyers. And it's funny we're having this conversation because I found that year, like against Philadelphia in the third round, they looked like a team that had really hit the wall. They looked like they had no more gas left in the tank. They looked like they had no more juice left in the bottle. They looked like they were a team that was basically um, no more energy left and that their smaller players gave what they had to give and they didn't have to give an extra push. So I, I say this, small teams have an advantage in the regular season. The advantage they have is that if you don't have a great team, they usually get out of the blocks, out of the gates, faster than a team that would be bigger. But in the final sense. stretch of the regular season, and then as the playoffs go deeper, they seem to wear down a lot faster than a bigger team would. No, you're 100% right on that. And that... Those are the stats because people don't realize that. But 82-game season is long. It's long and it wears down on you. And that's why often we always say that we separate the good teams from the others after Christmas. Because the first half of the season, you know, teams are like getting into a flow. And then you, you know, and then you see guys really started to pick it up after the New Year's because this is the playoffs push. This is where you're getting ready for the playoffs. So that's why it makes a huge difference. And and that's why teams that are bigger, uh, players are much more fresher. Because at the end of the day, if you look at injuries, right? Injuries could cost you a playoff spot. Injury could put your team to be lower in the standing. So that's why it's so important to have a team that are fresh. And the bigger guy that you have, it's important. And when you talk about the, the Montreal, Can uh, um, Montreal Canadian, like uh, that run down in 2010, um, there's a lot of combination to that. But we also have to take into consideration that the reason why they were there, because Alak was so good that... In, in in the playoff, and another thing that comes into effect is he was he was your better goalie, than good. Your goalie, that, that performance, yes. yeah, your goalie, your goalie could steal you like a couple of playoff rounds, and he did. The Canadian defended it, they defended it. All they did is defend it, so it took a lot of energy out of them just to to be able to advance like that. So that's why when you look at that, there's a lot of variable that that, that comes into effect as to you know how come they were so successful, but uh, still. Uh, it, it, it was awesome. He did the job. And yes, there were some small players, but we can't look at that situation and say, okay, well, they did. It worked. We should all be small now. No. If we take a look, yeah. if I can, if we take a look yeah. Yeah. at the context of that year, the Washington Capitals, and you bring up their roster, 
and you see how many goals they scored. Like they were into the 300s. You see their 50 goal scores, their 40 goal scores, their 30 goal scores. Um, the amount of guys that had more points than the best point getter on the Montreal Canadiens. If we put everything into context, how strong Washington was, how much stronger they were than the Canadians, how many goals the Capitals scored in the regular season compared to the Canadians, how strong Washington's power play was, you add it all up. And you also put into context the fact that that game six in round one, the Capitals win that game, they eliminate the Canadians. So there's no margin for error. It's a, it's a big-time pressure situation for Yaroslav Halak. Halak, in that game, I think delivered one of the best goaltending performances by a Montreal Canadiens goalie. And I could be wrong here, and I know everyone's going to go out and they're going to start taking a look at here, there, or everywhere. But I think you'd have to go back to when Roy won the Cup with the Canadiens. Like, that's how good that performance was so as, as good as Jose Theodore was in, in that, in that time. And he got hot and, and as good as Cristobal Huey was in that time that he got hot and as good as Carey Price was. I don't know if any of those goalies or any goalie since the delivered a performance the way Halak did in game six of round one. I thought he was unbelievable, unbelievable. I don't hear you. I don't hear you. Emo Zitomo. Now I'm going to Can you hear me? Episode. Yeah, now I can hear you. Yes, yes. Okay, you can hear me now? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Yaroslav was so good, Tony, that that year, they had to make a this like, they had to make a decision who they were going to keep, Alak or Carey Price, because it was so good. And the team obviously decided to keep Price. Some people didn't agree with it, but obviously uh, the team was right. Because after that, I think that shook Price a bit, and he, he ended up being the best goalie in his generation. For the next 10 years, he was the best goalie in the NHL. They and kept Price, maybe it's because they kept of price over Halak for three reasons. There were, there were, like, we can name more than three if we wanted to. But yeah. I'm going to tell you the three reasons. Are you ready? First of all, you tell me what the three reasons were, and I'll tell you what the three reasons were. We'll see if they match. Well, they, they knew that the ceiling of with Price was much better. So that's one of them. Yeah, they, they also uh, saw that Price, a bigger, a bigger goalie, so he'd be able to withstand, uh, like, to play more games because Alak was much smaller. A more intensive workload, and that's the second one. Hey, George, today you and I are on the same page. This is getting scary. I'm starting to wonder if you're you're starting to figure out more about hockey, or I'm starting, or or I, I or, or I'm cutting back and I'm uh, I'm not quite up to speed yet. So yes, the other thing is feeling, the other thing is potential. The other, th the, the other thing is also you uh, won the Calder Cup. You won everywhere that he's been. Uh, he was always a star where he was. So uh, talented wise and stuff, he was much more talented. So I I, I think that all goes under the uh, the. Um, the, the bracket of ceiling and potential, okay? Yeah. Uh, the higher workload because he was a bigger guy and he could sustain a lot more. Uh, that's obviously number two, 100%. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, the other thing I think was, and this always helps George, right? Is when, uh, yeah. is, is when a guy basically um, is drafted where you're drafted, right? 
That's basically what it was. He was drafted first round, fifth overall, and Yaroslav Alak was drafted something like ninth round, 270th or what. I don't have that. That, 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 that makes sense because politically, uh, you know, when you draft a goalie so, so early, you all give him all the chance in the world because you drafted him. No, yeah, you're right. That's a really good point. That's a good right. point. So now the Canadians are not big. And when you talk to me about this earlier today, I um, let me grab the glasses here. Okay. I started, I went on Google and I yep. Googled um, NHL rosters, size, height, weight, and all that stuff. And when I did that, uh, there was a link that came up, which was eliteprospects.com slash league slash NHL. Um, and um, at that point, you have NHL team comparisons. Okay? NHL yeah. team comparisons. And uh, basically, uh, it it looks something like this. Okay. I don't know. Can we see it? We yeah. Here we go. No, we can't. Okay. We can't, but you can't, we can't, but you read it. So it's okay. Okay. No, you can, you can, you can Mose, see it. Okay. Mose tuno. All right. Okay. So now, Mosetuno. So now, uh, this is what I came what up with. What does that mean, by the way? What does that mean, by the way? It's like, here he is. Like, who does this guy think he is? What, what's this guy talking about? It's got so many different meanings. It's unbelievable. Uh, okay, so I took a look at the last seven Stanley Cup champions. Yeah. Right? The last seven years. So Vegas, Colorado, Tampa. All right? You, yeah. you, you can't see it. Uh, Tampa, St. Louis, Washington. Okay, Tampa, St. Yeah. Louis, Washington. And Pittsburgh. Look at that picture of myself. Yeah. Look how nice and cute I am. Okay. And this is what I found. Vegas... Average height, six foot two, average weight, two oh two. Both third in the National Hockey League. That's very good. Yeah. If you're basing it just on Vegas, you're coming to the conclusion that the bigger you are and the more you weigh, the better chance you have of winning the Stanley Cup. Okay. The year before, here's where it gets uh, starts to get interesting. Colorado at six foot one was twentieth in the league. Twentieth. At 195 average weight, they were 13th. The year before that, even more interesting. Tampa Bay at six foot one was 24th in the league. At 203 pounds, they were third in weight. Tampa's cup before that, six foot one, they were 22nd in the league in height. Average weight of 203, they were fifth. St. Louis was a big team. Their average height of six foot two was third in the league, and their average weight of 203 was sixth in the league. Washington, average height of six foot one was 20th in the league. Average weight of 203 was seventh. So if I take a look at the past six Stanley Cup champions, and I'll get to Pittsburgh in a minute, they're all average height is six foot one to six foot two and their average weight goes from 195 to 203 but in the last six stanley cup champions 
the teams that weighed more were heavier. One more than the teams that were taller. So Washington won more because of their weight than their height. St. Louis, the weight and height was very close. Height a little bit more. Yeah. Tampa Bay, their height, their weight was very, very heavy, very good. Their height, not as much. Tampa Bay, again, same thing. Their weight, top three. Their height, 24th. And uh, Vegas had both. But what am I getting at? If you're going to look at one or the other, height and weight, it's more important, George, to have a heavier team than it is to have a taller team. Well, that makes sense because uh, the heavier you are, the hardest you are to move. You know, when you hit and when you play physical, you know, as you know, in the long season, Tony, in playoff, people sometimes they lose weight. You know, and, and it's tougher. Like, not every player needs to lose weight. A lot of players need to gain it. And then when they lose a lot of water, a lot of fluids and stuff, like they sweat, and then, you know, they become lighter. It happens to some players, believe it or not, that in the hockey season, they, they, they lose a lot of weight. So, you know, the heavier you are, the hardest it is to handle you. And for yeah. D-mans and stuff, the heavier you are, the hardest it is. So that's why it's known, and we know that that uh, it's so important for players to stay healthy, but also take care of themselves. And some players like me, they have a metabolism that if you look at food, you you gain weight without even eating it. And yeah. there's some welcome to my world skinny George. guy that yeah, welcome it's mine to too. My world. And, and you look at little guy, you get to look at some guys that are skinny. They eat ten times what I eat, and they can't gain weight. What do you say to people? There's different schools of thought when it comes to Nick Suzuki, for example. Yeah. One school of thought is he has number one line skill, so he's a number one centerman. The other school of thought is this guy's not big enough and not heavy enough to be a number one centerman to be able to sustain night in, night out, 82 games to make him a dominant number one center. Okay. And the other okay, school Tony. of thought is the well, other well, school of no, thought is, me, is he's under six this. feet, but he's thick like a wall. What do you say Tony, to all those schools of thought? You know what what's in my hand? What's in your hand? You're clenching your fist. I don't a know mic. what's in your hand. A mic. A mic. Okay. I'm gonna drop it. So people wondering if Nitsuki's too small and he can he can play a full season. He played 82 games last year. Here, look. Drop the mic. I get it. The guy played 82. He played 82 games last year. He played every game. He's the only guy that do so. He played with guys that came from all over the place because they have so many guys that were hurt. He played with teammates that he didn't even know. He's a smart player. He rarely gets hit. He gets involved in the play. He does everything on the ice. He's a gamer. And uh, because of that, Tony, people that are saying that, they don't understand. He doesn't have to be the style of player that he is. He's not a physical player, but he's not afraid of traffic. He's not afraid to get hit. He's not afraid to go in the corners. He's amazing. So people that are but, saying but that. But if the Montreal Canadiens win the Stanley Cup one day, let's just say they win it in five years or six years. Okay. okay. Can you see Suzuki being the number one centerman on that team? Or do you think because of the fact that he's under six feet and because of the fact no, that no. he's, do you he's think gonna, that he needs I, to I, be supplanted by someone like a Kirby Doc at center? I see. I see Kirby Doc is going to be number two, but I think Suzuki is going to be penciled in the number one center for years to come. And then Kirby Doc will be number two. Okay. So now, there's something else that I noticed. 
the average age is between 27 months, 20, pardon me, 27 years and a half and 28 years and a half. The Canadians have a lot of players under the age of 25. I think this formula works, George. You need a combination of all ages, younger players, players in their prime, and supported by veterans. And the average the only- age ends up being 28. So you need a bunch of yeah. 23s, you need a bunch of 28s, and you need a bunch of 33s. And in the end, your average age is 28, and that's usually what gets it done. The only thing, though, Tony, that we have to take into consideration is the fact that not every player wants to come to Montreal. When Vegas and Seattle, they want to get players to come, they go that easy because, you know, it's a really good destination. For a lot of people, they're like, well, this is amazing. I want to go there. I'm never going to have the chance. But, man, Montreal, the people, because they don't want to go free agent, don't sign there, they have to do everything through trade. Well, and then no, no, because no, no. Well, of that, that why, that's why Jeff Gordon said to Jeff Molson, I come here, we're doing a rebuild. Because Jeff Gordon knows that he had had experience with the Rangers, but he, he also, the Rangers had an accelerated rebuild because they were able to sign, uh, they were able to acquire Adam Fox, they were able to sign Artemi Panarin. They can't do that. Yeah, anymore. but yeah, but Gordon again, knows yeah, that. Yeah, that's but, why yeah, they're doing a rebuild. But, that's why him and, and yeah, but Hughes Tony, are doing a rebuild. Tony, the Rangers did a rebuild, but the thing is, it was faster because the, the free agent decided, accepted to come and play that. Of course. You know, Montreal, Montreal will never have that extra having guys like Panarin come in as a free agent and sign there for free. It won't work like that. No, no, 100%. So out of the Canadians team now, you talked about the, the young players, the, 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 the rookies, and they're going to the combine and they don't have size. Which Canadians players who lack size do you think are most expendable and why? Most expendable. Oh wow! Um, that good question. Canadian eh? rookie. Yeah, Canadian rookie most thing, expendable. Eh? That, that that Man, expendable. Yeah, was it um, okay. I I wouldn't say that he lacks size, but one of the guy expendable that I think that uh, they might trade him and use it as a chip to trade is Justin Barron. With all the D-men and with the team right now, I don't see him starting the year. And to be honest, Tony, um, you know, it's pretty disappointing considering last year that when, like, when we traded it from Lekanen, we thought it was a steal. Now he looks like he's going to start the year in Laval again. And before his value is totally down, um, you know, so I would you consider... have ahead of him on the right side? Well, you know... The, the thing is, is that Mayu is not going to make the team this year. I don't think so either. Mayu, no, no, he's not. But he he's coming in to make the team. He said it. Some he people see him on the team. Some, I don't. I don't see it. I think he'd be skipping a step in his development. And he already missed the full season of junior hockey with the London Knights a couple yeah. of years ago when when the controversy happened. Of course, I don't believe in skipping steps in development. I think he needs to play a full season in Laval. No, some guys are going to have to play right, even though they're lefties, Tony. I know that. But but right now, they have seven great D-men. They're loaded. The team is loaded with D-men right now. Loaded. They just need to, to go for forwards now. 
So you think Barron's going to be the odd man out. Yeah. Right defensemen, though, are usually harder to acquire than left. Yeah, they are. They are, but that's why Tony, uh, you know, Mayu's going to be good for years to come when he makes that, when he cracks that team. Mayu's going to be good. Mayu's got the tools. He's got the tools in his tool yeah. belt. Yeah, and, he, and he's mean. Hey, pretty like, cool to hear that he spent a month with Paul Byron and his family, eh? Best place for a veteran to go stay. Paul Byron is a well man, really good man, and uh, he couldn't have been with a better guy to go stay with. You know what? I really liked, I really was happy to hear that because it made me think of when Josh George just took in Brendan Gallagher. Which yeah. This is not something, unfortunately, that happens very often with Montreal Canadiens players. For whatever reason, no, but it's the guy, the guy, the guy's offer. The guy is the guy's decision. You know, it's yes. privacy, right? So, do you want to? I understand that, but look especially at when George... you have, a, especially when, especially when you have a family, you know. George's was great for Gallagher. Like you can say whatever you want about Gallagher, he steered clear of any kind of controversy, any kind of off yeah. ice issue. You know, always kept his nose clean and stuff like that in Montreal. Yeah, it, it's a city that has. A lot of temptations, and when you're a young yeah. player, you can get burned by those temptations. I mean, Alex, yeah, mind you, I mean, Alex Galchenyuk was supported by his family, and he still got burned by those yeah. temptations. But there are, you know, Carey Price got burned by a lot of those temptations in Montreal. You know, it would have been great for Carey Price to stay with somebody when he was here. Well, well, whether he got burnt or not, this is left to prove. But one, the one thing that I do know, he was the best goalie in his generation. Uh, one of the best goalie in the history of the NHL and a future Hall of Fame. So, uh, you know what? Oh, yeah, Carey Price him. is going to the Hall of Fame, 100%. Well, it's not even close. Not He's even going close. to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. He won't have his jersey retired, though. Hey, say hi to, uh, say hi to everybody, Tony. Yeah, Johan, say I don't hi. see anybody. Hey, Johan! Tony, they lasted longer than your roast. How's it going? Good, how are you? My yeah, Tony. I know. I know you want to do this very long. No, the we're podcast, going. But no, we're going. You guys have to go to supper. Yeah, go. We did what we, we we did what we had to do. So in ending, in ending, yeah. we're just going to finalize it. Yeah. Everyone knows that. Look, during the hockey season, we'll like to give everyone an hour of a live podcast. And yeah. uh, the hockey season hasn't started yet, so I've told everyone, you know what? I'll end up giving you about thirty minutes or so. Plus, if we go longer, we go longer. So I appreciate your time, but. You're not sold on the current makeup of the team. You are sold on Nick Suzuki as a number one centerman, despite being under six feet. You don't have a problem Look, with that. Listen, you think he's going to be a number one listen, centerman for a long time? Yes. And I think that Suzuki, Caulfield, Dak, your top six, you have it right there. They still, it's, it, New Hook, hopefully, he deserved to be in the top six. Are you New worried Hulk, about him? He should be. In one minute. Are you worried about him? The reason why I'm worried about him, and I hope he's going to be good, is some people in Colorado said they were happy that he left. They weren't sorry to see him go. At that age, to not be sorry to see a skilled guy like, skilled guy like that go worries me a bit. Why? Why didn't, they, why didn't they feel sorry about him leaving? Yeah, but he's you good, know as he's well fast, as I do. This... You know as well as I do, and I'm going to say this, then I'll let you go. When you yeah. go to a place that there's a lot of skilled players. Sometimes it's not a place where you can blossom. And yeah, I hope not so. to say there's not I a lot of skilled so. players in Montreal, but you know what? Different coaches, different systems, different concepts. And sometimes it's not because you're not a good player. 
It's yeah, just that that's somewhere right. else you're going to end up looking better. I understand why they went after him. They love his vision. They love his IQ. Ken Hughes knows everything about him as a person. Marty St. Louis loves his attributes that he has as a player. And we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know what his ceiling is. And I'm yeah. a little bit worried about the ceiling. There's some guys, I'll tell you, Nick Suzuki's ceiling is a point of game. Cole Caulfield's yeah, ceiling is right. a 40-plus goal scorer. Alex Newell, I, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. That's for him yeah. to show us. Thank you, Tony. So you took the easy way out tonight. You agreed with me because you knew that if you would have debated with me, I would have taken you to the cleaners. The way I do. That's not true. Monday to Friday on BPM Spar. Now, at a new time earlier today, we started at 1 p.m. where we have more time to chat and debate. I'll yes. talk to you again Thank tomorrow, you, 1 p.m. Yeah. Ciao, bello. Thanks, Ciao. Tony. See you tomorrow. All right. Say hi to Johan. All right. Okay. They're going for supper. There you have it. George Lorac. All right. Okay. Um, in ending, I'll say this. Logan Mayu, once again, he spoke today. Uh, he talked about uh, living with Paul Byron and his family for about a month. He is, he's since out of the, uh, the Byron household. Uh, but he talked about, you know, how great it was to pick Paul Byron's brain. And I'm really, really happy that Paul Byron offered that. And that's what leadership is all about. Uh, you can understand now why Paul Byron was so respected as a leader in the Montreal Canadiens. Because, look, there's a young player who needed to be mentored. He saw it. He stepped up. And he offered something that probably others did not offer. So, Paul Byron, all my respect. And, of course, he's going to be a real good addition to the Montreal Canadiens hockey staff a real good addition um all right okay uh other than that hockey is around the corner folks it's here it's almost here uh i've been told by the powers that be sammy and Daniello cavallaro that there is going to be a uh, sick podcast hockey pool that's going to take place i don't even know if i was at liberty to tell you that but i'm going to tell you anyway so we're expecting to see a lot of interaction we're expecting to see a lot of participation and hopefully Sammy and Yellow can come up with a pretty nice prize. Wouldn't that be fun? Huh? That would be nice. Huh? And uh, I, I think I've, you know what? All summer I said that we had to get together. We we're planning something, planning something, planning something. And uh, we wanted to have like a, um, a real nice event. And the place where we wanted to have it at uh, actually, uh, you know, told us to wait a little bit. So we waited, we waited, we waited. And now hopefully we're going to be able to do something when we come back because when we when we were going to do it, we wanted to do it nice and we wanted to do it right. Once again, I will be back in Montreal on the weekend. I'll be in my regular surroundings. You won't be looking at a uh, at a blind behind me here. You'll be looking at, of course, um, the, the logo of the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero. That was uh, a real great graffiti job that I had done a couple of years ago. So once again, it's an abbreviated version of the Sick Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We talked about size and the one thing i didn't get out with george was the last time a team won the stanley cup that they weren't in they weren't a very big team or they didn't weigh very much was the pittsburgh penguins seven years ago the pittsburgh penguins seven years ago in terms of height and in weight they were dead last in the league i believe in height and uh, well, I have it here. I'm not going to give you the wrong information. I'm probably wrong on that. Okay. They were dead last in the league in height. And they were second last in the league in weight. Dead last at six foot one, 30 out of 30. And second last in the league in terms of weight, 
at 195 pounds, and they're able to win the cup anyway. But we have to say that that team was led by probably the two best players in hockey back in that season, which was Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. An amazing one-two punch at center. And, of course, they led the way in the playoffs. Jake Gensel was pretty good. I believe Phil Kessel had a really, very, very good playoff as well. They, they were so good that Christopher Letang didn't even play in the playoffs, and they were able to win it anyway. But you get my drift? The last team to win the Stanley Cup that wasn't in the top echelon of the league in height or weight was happened seven years ago, but they had the two best players in the world or two of the top three or four on their team at that time leading the way. So for the most part, I think what the stats show is the most important thing is you have to have a heavy team. You have to have a team that has a tremendous amount of depth at the center ice position, especially your top two centers. In terms of having a heavy team, it's important to have them on the top line so that those players don't wear out, don't wear down, and, you know, have enough gaffes in the tank. And you really need a heavy team on the blue line. The Canadians had that a couple of years ago when they went to the Stanley Cup final with Weber, with Sherratt, with Edmondson. They were big on the blue line. They were strong. You get away with a lot more in the playoffs. The referees put the whistles away, and uh, you can start doing a lot more interference, a lot more obstruction, uh, a lot more cross-checks, this, that, and whatever, and all that stuff. So what do you need to win the Stanley Cup based on the stats that we've seen? You need to have a heavy team. You need to have a team that is probably, on average, about 28 years old. The heaviness on your team has to be probably on your top line and especially in your top three or four D. And uh, these are, and of course, you, you need a goalie who doesn't have to be the best goalie in the world. He just has to get hot at the right time. So a goalie who gets hot in the playoffs, depth at the center ice position, especially the top two centers, a heavy team, especially on the top line or on the top three or four on defense, an average age of about 28 years old, and a little bit of luck along the way. And hopefully the Montreal Canadiens can follow this formula and they'll be lucky in the process. I know I'm lucky to have you. You are my sick community. You are my sick army. And that's why when Agnello said, can you do the show from Portugal? I said, for them, my listeners, my viewers, of course. <laughs> for them, even a bullet, not to a vital organ or to the head or anything, but to an arm or to a leg for my listeners, an arm or a leg, I think I would, uh, I would take it, but I'd rather not, though. But thank you so much for watching. Thank you for appreciating. And if you really like the podcast tonight, like it, share it with your friends. Comment sick, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K. If you're watching on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter. You can also listen to us on Google, Apple, or Spotify. Leave us a five-star review on Apple. It's our way of feeling the love. For Juliana, Agnello, and Sammy at Master Control, their Cavallaro. Oh, yeah. Don't forget to double shift your best players. I'm Marinaro. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinaro on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast 
is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.